Well, we're going to get back into our, our study in the book of Moses. It was uh, not the book of Moses, the life of Moses. Uh, it was two weeks ago that you know that we had our last teaching on this. I want you to look at Exodus chapter three. We're going to spend a lot of time there. We're going to go to Acts in just a moment. Acts chapter twenty-six, but we're going to start in Exodus chapter three. So you might want to keep your finger there, or keep a bookmark there, or something. Let's read just verse four for right now. Well, we're going to read one through four. And now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Amen. His life's going to be changed forever from Thank right you. here to now. His life is never going to be the same from that moment. And it seemed like just a normal day. He's just tended to the sheep, what he's been doing for the last 40 years of his life. Uh, the last time we read about him, we read about, uh, I would say, his... Uh, Impatience, and he stepped out on his own, and with, with I would say with a good intent of heart to try to bring deliverance to Israel. He knew the prophecies, and he made his choice. It was a godly choice and a holy choice that we talked about to step down the ladder, so to speak. He was really stepping up, but stepping down from Egypt and the rulership of Egypt, Pharaoh, to uh, suffer affliction with the people of God. His Hebrew brothers. He knew the prophecies. He knew that God was going to bring deliverance and bring the Israelites out of their captivity. And it was getting close. And so he went to check on his brothers. And when he went to check on his brothers, we know the story. He sees a taskmaster beating in a uh, Hebrew. And he looks this way and that way and kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. He finds out the next day that his Hebrew brothers, who they, he thought they would have understood, the Bible says, that God would bring deliverance by his hand. And everything was out of whack. It wasn't God's timing. Uh, he wasn't prepared. He was trying it out of his own strength. He was trying it basically out of his own, I guess you would say, compassion, his own compassion. I feel sorry for this guy. Those things come and go. Okay? Those feelings. And so now when he found out that it was known that he had murdered the Egyptian, it wasn't a popular thing, even among the Hebrews. Um, they said, you tend to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And Moses got scared because he knew that uh, Pharaoh would find out, and he flees. So he goes and he lives what you would call a normal life after this. Just a normal, he's got a wife now, child, uh, he's, got, he's got children. He's, a, he's got an occupation of tending sheep, which would be a solitary kind of life, a quiet life. It probably, in a lot of ways, was very satisfying. You know, just in the sense of just a homely, family kind of life. But God still had his hand upon him, and God still had the plan to deliver Israel, and to deliver Israel by the hand of Moses. Okay, so... This happened on what seemed like a, a normal day to Moses, but everything changed in a moment. When the Lord, he sees a bush burning, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and when he turned aside, the Bible says God spoke to him out of the midst of the fire in the bush. 
And he calls his name twice, Moses, Moses. And normally when, when you see that in the scriptures, like Jesus would say, Verily, verily, I say unto you. When it's something that's repeated twice like that by the Lord, it's, it's really something urgent. It's something you've got to give heed to this. Really give attention to this. Uh, don't miss it. He spoke it twice. Moses, Moses. And uh, he, he, his life, as I said, would never be the same. There was a door that had been shut that at least it looked like it was shut. The deliverance of Egypt 40 years before, y'all. That's a long time. A lot of people in here aren't 40 years old, okay? For 40 years of his life, that door of deliverance for Egypt had been, of Israel from Egypt had been shut. And he's, it's all of a sudden swung open by the Lord. And I just want to encourage you and myself here tonight that no matter what you think has passed, it literally could be years behind and you think, well, you know, I used to think God was going to use me to be a missionary. I used to think God had a call upon my life to be a pastor. I used to think that the Lord was going to use me to be a real great soul winner. And somehow or another, that's water under the bridge and it's passed away. And it seems like the door is shut. If it's God, He can open it. And He can open it suddenly. And I just made a little note in my book here. It's exciting to know God. It's exciting to know the Lord and walk with the Lord. Because what's just a, an ordinary day, an ordinary Wednesday, tomorrow might be an ordinary Thursday morning, off to work or off to school or whatever it may be. Um, God can break through that ordinary and come into the lives of His people and until we transform the direction of our life, the call upon our life, uh, the, the work He wants to do in us, the work He wants to do through us. He could say, you know, Moses, Moses, He could call your name and my name. It's exciting to know that. And the doors that seem shut, and we wouldn't say we're depressed about it, we just kind of maybe got numb to it, and it's behind us, and that was just youthful and exuberance, and I was excited. Maybe God's going to resurrect something. Don't, sh don't shut it. God can open it. Let him do what he wants to do. The man was 80 years old at this time. Okay? He's not a spring chicken. But the whole purpose of his life was coming. So he's 80, and the whole purpose of him being born on the planet was still ahead of him. It's exciting, isn't it? As we know, I'm 55. I start down. My back's stiff, you know? And this and thinking my best days are behind me sometimes. And yet they're really not. They're, they're not at all. As long as God's got us here, He wants to use us here. And so the Lord calls out to him. And the main thing for him, y'all, the main thing for any of us when the Lord calls is what? The main thing is that we respond. We talked about it Sunday, you know, about wisdom crying out, remember? And that we have to respond to that, wisdom's crying out to everybody. Wisdom's crying out to people that don't know God, don't want to go, know God, and don't ever know God. But wisdom, wisdom's crying out the street. And yet, it's important for us to respond. And the Lord said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. Hmm. It's very important. It was God speaking to him. He might not have known the proper name and everything, but he knew it was God. And he responded, I'm here, Lord. Here am I. And so uh, that's how you and I 
need to respond. There needs, God is still willing to speak to and to call Moses, Moses, or whatever our names are. Okay, He's still waiting to reveal himself and his will and his plan to those that have a loving heart, an obedient heart, a listening ear to the Lord that are following after the Lord. That's the one that's going to hear. That's the one he's going to call. I'm just telling you, we see that in the Bible. There's a precedent set by this. When the Lord called him, he said, Hear am I. Okay? That's how God wants us to respond. I want us to look, keep, keep a bookmark or something in Exodus 3. We'll go back. But I want you to turn to Acts chapter 26. Uh, in this passage, Paul is in prison and he's given his defense before King Agrippa and he's a part of his testimony. I want you to read this with me. In Acts 26, let's start in verse 13. So this, he's recounting his testimony about how God saved him. And he says, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about, and running round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me. So think about Moses in the burning bush, okay? Not exactly the same, but it's very similar. Here's, here's a man, Moses was not in total rebellion to God and lost, but uh, Paul was. And, and the voice said in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, two times, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I saw, and I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things, for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now have I send thee, to, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So he's recounting that. Look what he says to King Agrippa, verse 19. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. That's the key. God speaks to a lot of people. I believe he speaks to many people and puts... Uh, Things, things that he wants us to do, things that he wants us to be, things he wants us, uh, places he wants us to go, words he wants us to speak. And a lot of times, people don't respond. They don't say, here am I, Lord. Uh, here am I, send me like Isaiah. Or here am I, like Moses. Or like Paul. Says, I'm king. I didn't even know him when he called to me. I said, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. He says, what do you have me to do? And the Lord says, you know, rise, get on your feet, and it will be told what you should do. But he says, whereupon, where O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. <clears throat> Whenever God speaks to your life and to our lives, <clears throat> that part needs to be similar. Verse 19. That we're not disobedient. That we can say, here am I, Lord. He's calling you to a new prayer life. He's calling you to uh, tomorrow. You've said it for five years, but tomorrow I want you to be a witness for me in the workplace. Mm -hmm. You talk about it all the time. You pray about it all the time. Tomorrow I want you to do it. And there's Thank a knock on our heart. Knock, knock. Twice. Moses, Moses, Randy, Randy. Whatever it may be. Tomorrow. And, and we need to say
Yes, Lord. Amen. I don't want to be disobedient. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. And this is what we're talking about with Moses. All we're going to talk about tonight is the call of God upon his life and how he responded. And so, uh, as I said, God's voice is still knocking. He's still uh, calling out to men and women today. I want to read another verse. So you can turn with me real quickly before we go back to Exodus. Look at Luke chapter 12. The Lord is talking about end times things. So much for our, our study in Revelation. Luke 12, look at verses 35 and 6. Luke 12, 35. Let your loins be girded about. That means you're, you're ready. That, that would be more like a, a phrase, I guess you would say, for the Hebrews. You know, they dress with their, their robes, their tunic kind of thing. Let your loins be girded about. It would be like you've got kind of got them hiked up in a belt around them where you get to work or move quickly if you have to. Uh, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves liken unto men that wait for their Lord. When he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him. When? In a few days, when they're ready, when they feel like it, when they get their act together. No, immediately. Okay, immediately. Now that's talking about the end times. That's talking about the rapture and our, our you know, end times events when the Lord comes. But I think it's appropriate to compare that when the Lord calls us. Do we are we have our loins girded, our light shining, or maybe filled with the Spirit and all the, the things that would fail Christ, that would hinder him, compromise, prayerlessness, uh, you know what I'm saying? Those things would be minimized. Those things would be put out. And let our lights be shining bright. And ye yourselves, like men that wait for the return of their Lord. And we're ready. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. So Moses says, here I am. And the name that the Lord gives, and uh, the name that the Lord gives is, is the I am. And he, he blends that. And he says, I am the God of thy father. Let's, let's just read it. Turn back to Exodus. Once we'll read this, then we'll, we'll have the account in hand. We're going to read a good little bit. Let's pick up verse 5. And he said, Draw not nigh here. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place where thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. It's a good response. I mean, just initially, just right off the bat, to hit his face in the sense of a godly reverence, I believe and a humility and a fear uh, before the Lord. He didn't run away. He just he hid his face and he was listening. And uh, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. And it's good to know that God knows our sorrows. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and large, a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites. We'll just skip down. Verse 9. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh, 
and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. It's interesting because the first time he was ready to go, 40 years before, he was ready to kill the man, and he did. Ready to deliver him that day. Thinking that the people would make him some type, sort of a ruler, leader of the Hebrews, and start a rebellion. And now he's, he's kind of humbled over the years and mellowed. And he says, who am I that, that you should send me? Now, the Lord's prepared him, right? Amen. That's a good trait, by the way. Uh, just the fact that he, he's let, not esteeming himself in his own sight and magnifying himself in his own sight. That's the kind of person God wants to use. Not self-pity, not a false humility like we've talked about, just looking at your feet saying, I'm pitiful, but a genuine, uh, a genuine, who, who am I? Lord, of all the people, who am I that you would send me? And he said, certainly I will be with thee, Lord, comfort, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. For the Lord appeared to him is where they were to come back and worship the Lord. And all these meetings with God were going to take place. And so he, he goes on to say, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, they shall say, uh, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? All right, we're going to, he says, You tell them, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Amen. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And we're going to stop right there for now. And so we see a blending, I guess you say, of the past, the present, the future. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That would have been predecessors to Moses and Hebrew predecessors, okay? His fathers, so to speak. And then the present, he says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people that are in Egypt. I have heard their cry by reason of the taskmasters. I know their sorrows. I am come down to deliver them. And the future, he says, come now, therefore I will send thee unto Pharaoh. So we see that God's got it all under control. He's the God of the past. He's the God of the present. He knows what's going on now. He's going to keep the promise that he made in the past. He sees what's going on now. Here's how I'm going to keep my promise and fulfill it for the Hebrews in the future. I'm using you to do it, Moses. And so, um, a lot of times, like Moses, that first time, we talked about it a few weeks ago, where he, he got ahead of God, tried to deliver them in his own strength. I don't want to give that whole message again. But that, that strength only carries, carries us about a day. You know what I'm saying? You go in your you're genuine Christian, you have a good motive and a good intent, and it's a good work. And you light out on your own, just, you know, wind in your back, and, and you just feel like you can take the world. But if it's not God's time and not His call, and you're not prepared at that moment, then that strength will last us about 24 hours. And that's what it was for Moses, literally. The next day, he got afraid and ran. Okay, because at some point, real quickly, you're going to face opposition, you're going to face a failure, you're going to face a disappointment. Uh, it's not going to be popular what you're doing. You thought your Christian brothers would love it, pat you on the back, and give you money and support you, and they're not. And, and, and you're looking around, and you're wondering what's going on, and you say, I'm afraid, and we just drop the whole thing. We can't go in our own strength. It has to be the Lord's, okay? 
has to be the Lord's. But what a contrast when the Lord says, and y'all, he does this. He did it with Moses. What a contrast. This was not going to be the same as 40 years before. He's going to part the Red Sea. He's going to institute the Passover. The people, every one of them, not a hoof left behind. They're all coming out. They're coming out loaded down with gifts and presents that the Egyptians give them. They don't have to fight. Nobody dies. Nothing except their enemy. It's going to be amazing. What a difference when God says, I've come to deliver my presence. I've seen the affliction. Now it's time. I'm going to send you. So that's where God and you come in. And you come into the plan of God. He's already got it going on. Okay? He's calling you to join him. Thank I'm you. going to send you. It's going to be different than it was before. That's encouraging to me. We can fight and fight and fight and try, fight and try to uh, open some door for ourselves and God can open it in a moment. And that's where we, we need to walk so closely with the Lord to where we're ready. Yes. When he says, now I'm ready. Yes, and I've got you ready. I'm going to send you. And Thanks. it makes all the difference in the world. Before, we're, we're promoting a good cause. And we're doing it on our own. And we see it all the time, right? I want to feed the hungry. I want to uh, give homes to the, the homeless. And all those could be godly things and things that overall in the general sense of Christianity that we should be about doing. But when God says, I'm ready to do this. When God says to Hudson Taylor... He said, Hudson, I'm going to reach inland China. If you'll believe me and walk with me, I'll use you to do it. I'm going to do it. You believe me, and God did. Read about his life. Hudson Taylor. Uh, so we see the difference is now all I have to do is walk with God. He's already going to deliver the Egyptian. I mean, the Israelites out of Egypt. From the most powerful nation in the world, God said He's going to do it. Mm -hmm. He's going to use me to do it. All I need to do now is walk with the Lord, right? Thank you, Lord. Just stay Thank right in the shadow of His wings. Stay where you're supposed to be all the time. Make sure you're not getting off track. I'm with the Lord. He's going. We're going to Egypt. Mm -hmm. God's going to deliver him. He's going to show me what to say. He's going to speak through me. He's going to do what needs to be done through my life. And so basically, we're just a servant at that point. We're just a friend and just a, almost like an errand boy that we just have to do what God tells us to do when he tells us to do it. And all of the guesswork is taken out of it, which I'm glad. And all of the confusion, all the fear is just God's got it. He's already told me he's going to deliver them. I'm just going to walk with him. Okay? And so... Um, that, that makes all the difference. Well, what, what happens is Moses has this, his, I guess his arguments why he's not the one to do it, okay? He has his arguments. And so first he says, who am I that I should go? And the Lord comforts him. And every one of his objections, Moses had objections. Have you ever, I have. Here's why I can't do that, God. You got the wrong man. I love you, Jesus, but you got the wrong person. I'm not cut out for that. That's not for me. That's for so and so. And is it not? Is it not up to God to choose who He wants to use? Mm -hmm. Does not the Potter have power over the clay yes, yeah. to make the vessel that He wants it to be and to use? It? Does He not have that power? Yes. Will we not give Him that power and authority in our lives? You could be the most humble, or let's say quiet, reserved in your natural personality, 
and God may use you to speak on national television or something to, to reach a nation or to be a street preacher because it's not you, it's the Lord in you it's whatever he calls and he has he, he comforted or answered each of Moses' objections we're going to look at a few we're going to look at his objections and, and bring this up you know, to a close tonight but when he says who am I that I should go to Pharaoh the Lord says I'll sure, surely I'll be with you that was his answer for that one. And that's his answer for us. Surely I will be with you. He says, I'll be with you. And so uh, it's good to know that whether he, the Bible says he died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. That he's with us. And he doesn't want us to fear. The, the presence of God uh, dispels the fear. The presence of the light okay, dispels darkness and fear and confusion and doubt and worry and uncertainty about tomorrow and what if and how about this and what about that and I'm not sure about that and I'm pretty sure this won't work and all of those things, the presence of God, when he says, I will be with you, that takes care of all that, okay, and, and, and so he says, um, he says later, my, later, he says, my angel, will be with you, representing God's presence. Angel with a capital A. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Not just an angel of the Lord, which would be wonderful, but the angel of the Lord, I believe, Christ, pre-incarnate Christ. And the Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from this holy companionship that we have with God. Nothing. You're thrown in prison and you're separated from your church and your family that knows Christ and you're just by yourself and everybody's vile and foul around you and hates you. Nothing can separate you or me from the Lord. That communion and fellowship cannot be broken. Satan can't touch it. The only thing that can touch it is if we willfully sin. We willfully just um, worry and needlessly worry on things. Like we read those scriptures in Philippians to start tonight. Uh, and so his next excuse is, uh, what, what will I say to people? I, I don't have the ability to answer people. If they say, if I say the God of our fathers, your father sent me to you, and they say, what is his name? What will I say to him? The Lord has an answer. Remember I talked last week, God is not bothered bothered in the sense that he's put off with us and just says, forget it. I mean, just forget it. Okay, I'm going to find something else. Not, not when we're sincere. Okay? I always think about Gideon. Lord, I know you said you're going to deliver the Midianites and Malachites and this multitude into the hands of the, the Israelites by my hand. Um, he was hiding out. He's scared. Lord, if, can you just give me some sign? Here's the sign I want. God gave him the sign. Lord, don't be angry, but I'm going to ask one more sign. Tamar, could you give me this other sign? And the Lord gave him the sign. And the Lord you did use Gideon to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Midianites. And when it was all said and done, he used that man to do it. And when it's all said and done, he's going to use Moses to bring the Israelites out. We're still talking about him today. Amen? And so he says, you tell him that I am that I am has sent me. And so there's a few things to be noted in that name, I am. And that would be in contrast to the many 
deities of Egypt, okay? All these multiple gods. There's God of the underworld, the God of this, and Pharaoh's a god, and you know, everybody's a god, and they worship the god of the river, and all these different deities, these false gods. And God's got a unity. I am the I am. Thank you. Okay? Not I was, or not only will be, but I am. Jesus said, I am he that lived and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death. And so there's a unity and a singleness and an eternity just about that name right there. Jesus was not uh, shy, I guess you would say, to use that name for himself. He used it for himself, and the Jews, the, he, the Jews picked up stones and wanted to kill him when he did. Remember? Because he, he said, well, which, which of the good works are you going to stone me for? I've done a lot of good works. For good work, we're not going to stone you, but because you being a man, make yourself to be God. We're going to stone you. They knew exactly what he meant. The Hebrews knew. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Before Abraham was, I am. They, they, they picked up stones and wanted to kill him. They didn't, because he wasn't going to die by being stoned. He was going to die on a cross. And he wasn't going to die before he was, it was time for him to die. He would give up the ghost when he was ready on Calvary. But it, it, he used that name, and this was his name, and he is I am. He was I am. That was a very present God, a very present help in trouble for Moses in his day. For, for Paul in his day, John, for our day, if we live another 50 years from now, you know, he's going to be a very present help at that moment. I am the light of the world. Are you in darkness? He's the light of the world. Are you sick? I am Jehovah Rapha. I am that. I am that healer. Are we hungry? He is the bread of life. It's, it's, I am that. Uh, over and over, you be confused and don't know where to go. I am the good shepherd. It's just over and over through the scriptures, amen? Yes. And so, uh, his next excuse, God answers his question, you know, his fear, his objection, but you tell him I am, that I am has sent me. And the next excuse, he says that people aren't going to believe me. I'm going to tell them that, and they're going to say, we don't believe you. We didn't read that part, but that was his next objection. And the Lord says, very gracious, he, he answers that as well. What do, you have, what do you have in your hand, Moses? Or just this shepherd's staff. Throw it on the ground. And he did what happened. It became a snake. Right? Snakes played an important part in all the uh, idolatry and occult stuff of Egypt. They were very familiar with the serpent and all that. He said, now take it up. He was afraid he fled from it. He says, now go take it by the tail. And when he did, it turned back into the rock, into the staff. And uh, when God God answered that with you can have some, I'm going to show you some signs. I'm going to use you to do some miracles and signs before the Israelites, the Hebrews, to where they will believe that I have sent you. So you got my name, you can tell them who sent you, and then you're going to have some power uh, through these signs and wonders that I'm going to allow you to do. But I did want to make mention of this just real quickly. The staff, just a rod, to poke sheep or to 
you know what I mean, just to, to carry with him out there, maybe to fight off an animal that's coming. Nothing but a simple piece of wood. But it just shows how God can use the most simple things. And in fact, he's looking for the most simple things. I've chosen the foolish things to confound the wise, right? And all the weak things, the things that are base, to bring to nothing the things that are high and mighty, so to speak. So it takes a, a, a rod. That rod was going to have quite a history. Going to. He's going to use it to part the Red Sea, not too far from it, not too long from right there. He was going to use that rod to hold up when they fought, fought the Amalekites and the Hebrews had victory over them. He was going to use that rod to, to strike the rock and water would come out. And that, that rock that followed them in the wilderness, which was Christ, the Bible says in the New Testament, to give them living water to sustain them. And I just I was reading from this book. It says when God wants an implement for a service, he doesn't choose the golden scepter, but a, scepter, but a shepherd's staff. He says he used a ram's horn, a cake of barley meat, an ox goat, an earthen pitcher, a shepherd's sling with David, right, to kill Goliath. And I thought this as well. He used the jawbone of a donkey in Samson's hand, I think, to, to kill, I forgot how many, 10,000 uh, Philistines at one time. And so a rod or a shepherd's staff in God's hand is mightier than any yes. weapon. Amen. It could be. So Thank just you. remember that. You might only have the clothes on your back in your Bible, in your pocket. And you're going against someone who's, maybe you're debating uh, evolution or something, or Christianity. You know what I'm saying? Or, or whatever it may be. We walk into a circumstance with God. All we need is God. Jesus picked up mud, spit in the clay, you know, dirt made clay and wiped it on a man's eyes and said, go wash him. When he washed, he came seeing. Uh, his eyes were restored. God can use the most simple things. And so he does that. And he wants to do that. And what, what we see here, when he told him to throw the rod on the ground and then to pick it up again, uh, he's directing his faith. He's, he's taking Moses and real quickly he's given him a real compressed education in the Lord to prepare him, okay? Uh, and so all he's wanting to do is, Moses, if you'll obey me, I said throw the rod on the ground. He did. It became a snake. Then he says, pick it up. And he did. And these are simple things, but they're important things. Moses did reach out. I'm sure he was scared. Picked up the, the snake by the tail. And when he did, it became a rod again in his hand. Uh, he's teaching him if you'll just obey me, step by step, everything's going to be okay. That's what he's teaching us. He's not teaching you. I always say this. You can't live your whole Christian lifetime today. You can live today, today. Is that, you know what I'm saying? I can, I can trust God and obey the Lord today. I can do what he tells me today. I can seek God today while it's called today. I can come to church today. I can lift my hands today. You understand what I'm saying? We can read the word and say, teach me God today. So just, just obey step by step. This is what he was teaching Moses. Then he gives him another sign. Because he's hushing his fears. He's calming Moses' fears. We're going to be closing. He says, stick your hand uh, into your bosom. Okay, like inside your garment. Okay, and then 
And when he did, it became leprous. So it's covered with leprosy. And leprosy always represents in the Bible, besides a horrible sickness, it represents immorality or, or sin, okay, or you know, spiritual uh, darkness or pollution, kind of spiritual spiritual pollution. And then he says, stick it back. So then he's just obeying him. And he's little thing. I'm sure that was a shock. My hands covered with leprosy. And he says, stick it back and pull it out. And when he pulls it out, it's clean and leprosy's gone. He, 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 you know, there are spiritual things we could gain from that. It shows how quickly God can wash away sin. Mm -hmm. And through the blood of Jesus, how quickly his grace can restore <coughs> the repentant sinner. It was covered with leprosy literally a second ago. Now it's clean. How did that happen? Well, the Lord's a healer. Amen. He heals us of sin. Amen? And, but it was another son. And then uh, the last excuse that Moses gave for objection was that um, slow of speech. Lord, I'm not eloquent. Verse 10. Uh, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. And God was patient with this as well. He's patient with him. He answered him. He didn't say, okay, three times you've objected. What else do I need to do? Your hand just was covered with leprosy and now it's healed. Now you're worried about how you talk. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. He said, who's made, and the Lord said, who has made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Just go. I'm going to be with your mouth. Physically, literally, I'm going to be with your mouth. And show you what to say. And teach you what you should say. Moses still, this was the last objection. He says, um, you know, he still doesn't believe. And the Lord says, basically, your brother Aaron speaks really well. I'll send him with you. I think it would have been better for Moses. But he's just a man, okay? I'm not saying I would have been any better than Moses. I'm saying I think it would have been better for Moses had he just stopped objecting and gone and let the Lord be with his mouth. Because it was Aaron that's going to later make a golden calf yeah. and compromise. I'm not saying... You know, that Aaron's not in heaven. I believe, you know, he is. Uh, but it was, he, he brought a lot of heartache and hardship to Moses and to the Israelites and shame to God. But it would have been much better had he just, uh, just listened to the Lord. He objected one more time. And God says, you know, I'll, I'll send your brother Aaron. He'll be like a mouthpiece for you. A spokesman for you. I don't think it means that Moses never spoke or spoke up to the people, but he had Aaron there that went with him everywhere to appear before Pharaoh and things like that. And I think it would have been better had he just trusted the Lord right there. I think it would have been better a lot of times if I had just trusted the Lord rather than uh, making all those excuses. Finally, he said, Oh my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of whom thou wilt send. And it's almost like he's saying, okay, if you're determined to send me, then, then send me. You know, if you're determined to send me, then send me. But you know what? If he had known, and we're closing with this thought, if he had really known what wonderful things were laying that God had in store for him, 
in the days and years ahead, he would have not been objecting like this. Even when he said yes, it was like, Lord, if you're, you're basically, you're determined to sin who you will, then sin who you will. I guess that's me. You know? Uh, but if he had known what God was going to do, and how he was going to have this intimate walk with the Lord, and part the Red Sea, and have manna fall down, and, and be the deliverer, and two times spend 40 days and 40 nights, just him and God, just the two of them, twice, for 40 days and 40 nights, and saw his glory, and saw him pass by, his face was shining. That was all still in the future for him. Right now he's just a stinky uh, shepherd, and dirty, and he's scared, and, and God's trying to assure his heart, okay, for what lies ahead of him. It looks so, the task looks so enormous, and he feels so puny. I felt that way before, and I know you have as well. But if he had known all the things that the Lord had for him, that it was going to be wonderful, and he's actually going to, uh, like I said, radiate and shine with the, the glory of God Himself from firsthand experience. He took the veil off when He talked to God. When He talked to the people, He put it back on. Just Him and the Lord. He would go into that tabernacle in later years, just Him. The others would stand outside and watch. And Moses would go in and talk to the Lord. The Lord would talk to Him as a man talks to another man face to face. He didn't know all that was coming. God had that in store for Him. God has great things in store for us. He was going to be buried by Michael the archangel. The Lord buried him up on that mountain of Pisgah when he died at the end of his life, overlooking the promised land. He would appear with Elijah at the Mount of Transfiguration with James and John and Peter. All this flood in store for the man. God has great things in store. He said, well, nothing's changed. Everything's like it was yesterday. Everything was like it was yesterday for Moses until God called him out of a bush that was burning but it wasn't burning and said I am the God of your forefathers and I'm going to send you um, and I think I know that God would have us to be encouraged by this he's not a respecter of persons and so what he did in Moses life it doesn't mean he has the same call but he has a call I believe that God has a plan for every hour of our lives every hour of it it's time to rest. He wants us to be sleeping. He's got a plan and purpose for every moment of our lives until he calls us home. And I don't think any of us has fully realized what it is that he has for us. But he has it for us. Amen? He's going to come. We're going to pray. The altars are open. Just come and spend some time with the Lord. Maybe you've been objecting to God's call. Not that you're rejecting Christ or, you know, uh, turning from the Lord, but maybe you, like I have before, are dragging our feet when God has called us, and, and we're not responding, we're telling him all the reasons we can't do what he's called us to do, or maybe uh, because of some past failure in our lives, we feel like a door has been shut to us, and we've almost forgotten about it, and God wants to resurrect it and bring that back up. God still made Moses a deliverer after his first failed attempt. Amen. But the altars are open. Come and pray. We're going to pray over our students tonight uh, after a few minutes at the altar. And so you come. And Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. And God, I want to thank you, Lord. 
I thank you for Moses. I thank you for the life of Moses. I thank you, God, that you've recorded his life in your eternal word, and I get to read about it and study and glean from it, his relationship with you, his fears, God, his failures, your goodness to him. And God, every objection that he had, you, you were still patient. You were still merciful. And you still fulfilled your perfect will through Moses' life, God. And Lord, I pray for every person here, from the youngest child kneeling at this altar, God, from to everyone here, God, that you would fulfill in and through our lives what you desire, and we would not be a hindrance to you fulfilling that. We believe, God, help our unbelief. We believe you have great plans and purposes and miracles and deliverance and things you want to do through our lives, God. And we, we avail ourselves. We say, here am I, Lord. Here am I. We don't want to be disobedient to the heavenly vision, like Paul said. Calm our fears, God. Believe our fears and replace them with faith and confidence in Almighty God. You've chosen the weak things to confound the mighty, Lord God. Use us, God. 